You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome, everyone, to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm Carlos Noche, and I'm joined by my amazingly talented partner, Lisa Schneer. How are you doing today, Lisa? Doing great, Carlos. Thanks for asking. Welcome, everyone. All right, folks. Today, we're talking about dealing with mastering stress in our lives. How do we move past the chatter in our heads and implement a discipline we need to be highly successful, whether that be in sales, whether that be in marketing, whether that be in our lives in general? And to help us out with this very important topic today, we have Dan Waldschmidt, Kick-ass dad, ultra runner, B2B tech nerd, and author of Edgy Conversation, How Ordinary People Can Achieve Outrageous Success. He is currently the Chief Transformation Officer, Refounder, and Board Member at Panzura, a multi-cloud data management company. Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks, Lisa and Carlos. Excited to be here. All right, Dan, uh, here's a little warm-up question we use in every podcast. What's something that you're very passionate about? that those that might only know you through work or business might be surprised to know about you. Lisa gave it away when she gave my LinkedIn bio, but when I say an avid runner, it's addictive to me. A huge ultra runner. I started running, I don't know, a decade or two decades ago, and I haven't stopped since. A uh, little Forrest Gumpy, and I love running ultra marathons. Usually I get really cranky if there's a day or two that goes by where I'm not able to run. Again, work out my stress, clear my thoughts on the road. But uh, it's what I'm super passionate about. And I'm a big reader. I love reading. I grew up without a television. And so had to read books growing up. I fell in love with, like I said, learning new things. And so I've run 25, 26, 27,000 miles on the roads. And I've probably read 10, 15,000 books in my time too, mostly biographies of awesome people. That's what I love reading. All those things make it seem like I'm a super nerd. I just realized I probably should have refined my answer, but running and reading, two big things I, <laughs> sort of a, I'm passionate about that are not totally in my business bio. Amazing. Amazing. Well, I mean, two very healthy things to be obsessed with. So tell us a little bit about you. I have a question first is like, what is a refounder? And then tell us a little bit about your background. What led you to where you are today? Yeah. So let's talk about the refounding. We made that up. Admittedly, it's a little bit of sales, right? If you're in sales, you got to sort of create your own words and definitions, own them, claim them. Panzura was a unique opportunity. It was founded in 2006 by some really, really smart people backed by Coastal Ventures, mentor partners like the who's who of Silicon Valley. Amazing, amazing, amazing. We claim refounder status because when we found it, we were asked to drive some value, some strategic value in helping them with their B2B strategy. And instead of investing more money, we just decided to buy the whole company. And we said, hey, we're going to refound this company, take this amazing technology, bundle it into a world-class go-to-market, and off to the races. Over the last few years, uh, we've hit 5,000 back-to-back years, growing by 485%, you know, sort of the benchmark metrics that you hear about we're angling towards, you know, rule of 40. And so it's, it's been an amazing journey. But we claim the refounder status because we're not really founders, but we think we're refounders of this new, exciting new place we're at. And which segues nicely into this is not the first time we've done that. I feel like since 12 or 13 or 14, when I started my first lawn mowing job, of course, that was B to C, but I've been selling something to someone, someplace, somewhere around the world. It's been a fun journey 
I was CEO of a tech, a tech company in my early 20s and sold it. And then had a lot of fun building a consulting company across the world, supporting large companies like Oracle and Cisco and Microsoft, and Turkish Airlines, big, big, big companies to smaller companies that you've never heard their name, but they're doing amazing things led by incredible leaders. The breadth of those companies and the ability to create almost $20 billion worth of new revenue working with those companies led me on this journey of what does it take in B2B to be successful at a 10x sort of performance. And so fast forward, I'm at Panzera, refounding it, doing a transformation. And transformation now used to be a chief strategy officer, often it used to be a chief operations officer, but really in today's world where people are hunkered down, trying to ride out another political season, trying to ride out economic trends that may not be favorable. We're now not looking for operations or strategy. What we're looking for, for us personally, and I hear this from other leaders, is we need transformation. And if you need a chief, okay, I'll be the chief of transformation. Actually, if you go look on LinkedIn, Lisa, you'll see now thousands of job titles from some of the biggest companies in the world with this individual just focus on empowering individuals to drive change. I've definitely noticed the rise of it over the last few years. And uh, and it's really great for you to describe a little bit more about what that exactly means. Uh, let's jump into the topic of the day, mastering stress. What do you mean by it? And do you have like a proven formula or some tips in dealing with stress? Yeah, so that what you unpacked is a subject that's probably longer than the 20 or 25 minutes that we have to dig into. But in February of this year, when I transitioned out of a CRO role, to this new CTO role, I took two months off and took a sabbatical. I had been working 100-hour weeks for two and a half years previously. True 100-hour weeks, burnout. You know, I had to go to the doctor, get blood work taken, sort of figure out what proteins and vitamins I need to start taking to, to restore my health. What I didn't realize is at that time, I was probably at a breaking point for stress as well. I'm a pretty resilient person, I feel like. If I can go run a 200-mile ultra marathon and still stand, or I feel like mentally there's some resilience. What I had not realized was the sort of chipping away of my soul, I guess you call that burnout, by just the day-to-day -day activities, personal relationships that were just an, a mess, sort of frustration at work, despite 485% growth over two years, right? You know, most people would be like, let's give you a trophy or a belt or something, uh, you know, just a feeling like it wasn't good enough. There was more to do. And I went on this journey of exploration beginning in February. You know, Carlos, I've been on this journey my whole life of how can I grow? How can I be better? Personal growth, growth mindset, expanding horizons, all of those, that, the mindset, but I just... Sometimes someone delivers a message to you at the right time, at the right place, and it connects. It connects with where you are in your life. And a dear friend of mine for many years, his name is Bill Courtright, runs a institute, believe it or not, called the Stress Mastery Institute. And it was one of those things where I thought it's a lot of money. And I thought, do I want to invest you know, six digits? Is now the time? You know, your brain plays all these sort of tricks on you. You ask yourself these questions. Is now the right time? Is this the right move? Could I do more? Should I do more? It, you know, how do I make this work? I decided there's perhaps no better time than, than in a moment to jump in and begin this exploration. And what I learned from this, I started looking at this idea of mastering stress. People talk about managing stress, managing stress. How do you manage your stress? If you do a Wall Street Journal sort of do a search into like, what's an executive take on stress? People talk about how to manage your stress. And Bill's 
concept, which sort of burned into my brain was how do I master stress? And that subtle difference is something that I think is key for anyone in B2B. There's no more neurotic sport in the world than B2B sales. There is none. B2C, you can use all this SaaS digital go-to-market technology. You can use like lead funnels and all this clever stuff with B2C. Uh, even the B2B, man, now you're talking about account-based strategies and contingencies and dependencies and all of this interconnection that you do not control. And no matter how good you are, you cannot bend the universe to your will. And if you're in sales, if you're in revenue generation, that is the definition of stress. Not big, not getting what you want when you want it because you're that good, right? Fast forward, sitting in this stress mastery, I began to sort of deconstruct sort of the, the reasons why I was feeling stress. Ultimately, what I learned is that there's energies that you feel. And sometimes people even say this, oh, this person has a good energy. It says they have a good vibe, right? What I had learned, what I've now assimilated into my life is that there are attitudes and actions that drive me naturally to be stressed. And there are actions and attitudes and behaviors that naturally drive me to not be stressed, to master my stress. There are things that I can do in a moment, even if I am stressed, to immediately reverse that and move on to a situation where I'm not stressed. That's a possibility. So I began this pathway of learning about the energies and how things in my life cause me to, to be stressed or not stressed. Forget about all of that because that's something you'll have to learn on your own if you go down this path on your own. Two big lessons I learned. This is long answer to Carlos's question of what do you know about stress and how can you help us solve it? Two things that I learned. One is one tactic for me to help combat stress, to master stress is this. The first one is this is to journal. Almost everywhere I go, I've got a physical pad and it's usually a five by seven. So it's really small and I've got a pen with me. And as I'm thinking a thought, someone frustrates me. You know, the audio on my computer is slow and causing all of us to be frustrated and that may annoy me. And so I'm letting it in my head build up to something that it's not, things like that. And we're all frustrated, right? But I can take a minute and write this down. Now, here's what's powerful. At the end of writing it down, I write one sentence. Here's the words I use personally, letting it go. See, stress is not something that you can control. It happens. You know, you get pulled over by a policeman. Maybe you were speeding, maybe you weren't. You're instantly stressed. But holding on to stress, that's a choice. And so sometimes you just have to say actively, I'm letting this go. It's all journal something. You know, so I'll be in a business meeting and someone will start off and just write a note. You know, all right, letting this go. Not letting this bother me. I'm making the choice actively. There's something about the transference. It's from your head to your heart to your hand, where you write out something and say, I'm letting this go. Now, what I do is I'll fill up a page sometimes with a bunch of notes, leave them there. The next morning I get up, I'll skim them, rip out that page, tiny pieces. Some people say burn it, but when you live in an apartment, that's probably not the smallest thing to do. Tear it up into pieces and throw it into a trash can, right? So that's the first thing I do is journal. And anyone can do that. I don't use my phone to that because um, my thumbs aren't as good as this one. I write it out. Here's the second thing I do. I've learned to surround myself with things that remind me of what is important. When I was 25, that's now 20 years ago, I used to think that sticky notes on the mirror were silly. I used to think that stuff was like a little foo-foo, a little weird. But now my entire life is full of sticky notes, both virtual and physical. On my phone, the wallpaper on my phone reminds me to be vigilant and 
wherever I'm at, whether it's my laptop or my refrigerator, I've got notes that remind me to stay focused and aligned on the things that really, really, really matter. I like it. On the journaling thing, it's kind of funny when you said, I don't do it on my phone. It gets pretty expensive if you got to tear that thing up or burn it. So I think that was a good move. Question I have for you on stress, because I mean, we all talk, it's funny. I, we, I was just talking about it with a partner of mine last night. We had a long day. Oh my God, how are we going to uh, unplug? I mean, how are we going to, uh, you know, de-stress ourselves, right? So how do you know that you're just not overworked versus being stressed out? So again, I think this is a mindset shift. It's a great question. What's the difference between knowing how much you can manage and letting that put you in a negative mindset? So here's what I've learned for myself and what I've observed in people around me. You should always push yourself to do more. You should always push yourself to be more productive, to be more effective, to be more efficient. Sometimes that means more work in short bursts of time. Sometimes that means, you know, that you're, you're spacing it out. So part of this is knowing yourself and what you're capable of. Are you a sprinter or are you a marathon runner? Are the people who work for you sprinters or are they marathon runners? The problem is we try to often put a sprinter into a marathon role and vice versa. For example, I always tell people when I hear the phrase, oh, you should work smart, not hard. That's ridiculous. There's no such thing as working smart. You don't know how to work smart until you have already worked really, really, really hard. Working smart is like the result of working hard, hopefully, if you're discerning and looking at all the factors around you. So you work hard, then you work smart, and then you work what I call deliberately or with intention. It's a multiplying effect, right? There's sort of several levels to how we work. So there's a mindset. There's a mindset shift, I think, that needs to happen often. Why we are stressed is that we feel like we are out of control of our own destiny. Our boss wants to give us more work than we feel like it's possible for us to achieve. So we are feeling stressed. Is that real or is it something that's imagined? You should feel like you can advocate for yourself. Staying in the current job you are in is a choice and it's empowering. You could leave. You could go somewhere else. There are plenty of jobs if you don't like the job you're in to go somewhere else and do something that would make you feel happy. Often people feel stressed. I've found either either teams that might even work for me, they're in the wrong role, but they're afraid of not having a job. So they do work that they feel like would keep them in the job they have rather than actually having the boldness and courage. It takes a lot of courage. I don't want to downplay it. It's a lot of courage, not a little courage, a lot of courage to go step out on their own and go do something else. I've fallen into this trap myself. It's easy to get paid a lot of money in a C-suite job rather than it is to launch a startup or do something else where you're now feeding your own self and feeding a whole team of people. I think it's a mindset. On my phone, I have a wallpaper. Every time I log in, it says a couple phrases. And one of the phrases that I look at all the time, this is sort of my phone layout. It says this, if there is no enemy within, the enemy outside can do no harm. This is like a reminder to me that if I'm not fighting myself, you can't hurt me. I'm only stressed out when I'm fighting against myself. And I think this is a mindset shift. Again, if I'm feeling stressed, I'll ask myself this question. Can I allow myself to feel stressed? Can I allow that? The answer is yes. Do I want to be stressed? No. When am I willing to let go of this stress? Right now. And then I journal it out and say, letting it go. So if you're feeling out of control, Stop and think about what you're in control of. Yep, so you have a boss. You're choosing to stay in that job. 
you're choosing to not advocate for yourself and saying, hey, I can't achieve that at the level of quality and results that you want. And I'm advising this other thing. Maybe you're not, you don't feel like you advocate for more time or more attention. The reality is that most of what we feel stressed about has little to do with actuality, has to do with what's inside of our heads, which is why, again, I use sticky notes to remind myself, right? To advocate for myself, to speak up, to lead with kindness and everything else. Everything else is something that you just have to let it go. There are five things in life I've learned that you can control. Just five. One, how you start the day. All of us have control of this. How do you start the day? Secondly, how you end the day. You have control over how we end our day. I have routines for how I start today. I have routines for how I end the day. You have control over your exercise. You have, extra, you have control over your health, meaning what you eat, food, diet. And the third thing you do is you have conflict. How do you manage conflict? This is the big thing where most of us get tripped up is how do we manage conflict? That makes a lot of sense. And actually, you're reminding me of uh, one of my favorite quotes is, I think it was Eleanor Roosevelt who said, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. And it's the same thing, right? Like it's it's a mindset shift. And I also use sticky notes, not quite in the same way that you do. For me, it ties back to prioritization. So when I'm feeling overwhelmed or stressed, I can write down the three things or five things, whatever that is, that I absolutely need to get done that day. So I focus instead of on like my week, I bring it down to today. I need to do these things and I write them on a sticky note. And like you, I cross them off and then I crumple it up and I throw it out. And it's like the satisfaction of doing that is so great. And I'm just kind of curious because something that we we talk to people about a lot in along these same lines is time management. And so when you're feeling like your boss is giving you this extra work, going back to your calendar and actually reprioritizing what are you getting paid to do? What is your job? What makes you successful at that job? What are all the other things in your calendar that are not helping you to do that? Can you eliminate them? This is powerful. This is one of those truth to self moments, right? Like, what are you actually doing with your day? And is it possible that you could rearrange things to do more? I've played around with a whole bunch of tools for this from Todoist and, you know, mind mapping tools. My current platform that I've been using for about the last nine months is Sunsama. S-U-N-S-A-N-A. I'm not paid by them, so there's no paid commercial and like that, but soon Sama. But what it does is allow me to take my emails, my tasks, my calendars, pull them into one application. And if someone sends me an email that I need to work on, I can actually drag that email onto my calendar and give it 90 minutes where someone says, can you respond to this thing? And I know it's going to take me 90 minutes to do the thoughtful response. And I'll to put that right on my calendar when it's done. I've answered an email, then it automatically will clear itself out of my inbox and away I go. Giving ourselves moments of introspection, Lisa, very powerful in feeling like you're in control of your life. Eliminating some of that stress and work comes from moments of quiet, not busyness. These moments of quietness, and all too often as busy executives, we don't allow, we don't put space in our, in our calendars whether it's running or exercise or a morning routine or evening routine, whatever it is, don't put time to just think or walk or pace around the room or whatever it is where we're not focused on keyboards pounding maniacally on video calls and boardrooms and doing, 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 stopping. 
And the 25-year-old Dan would have called myself a wimp and a loser, and I'm not hungry, I'm not thirsty for success because I can. I need that time to refresh. What I've learned at 45 now is like, listen, if you want to be maximally effective, not just smart, but wise, wise and powerful and world-class, then this is how this is done. And it's sort of, the, if you think about any old English stodgy movie where like, you know, they're smoking a pipe and they're walking through the gullies and we make fun of it, but they're talking and thinking and ideating and time to create. And this is how you came up with ideas and thoughts matured. And all of a sudden you went from nothing to an idea to now a finished product. And it came from these moments where you've lowered the stress of answering emails and Slack messages and Teams channels. They're in the moment of just allowing yourself the opportunity to be creative. Very powerful. Talk a little bit about mental health and how that impacts stress and stress management for a minute. So again, if you're listening and you've hung with us this far, despite the speed bumps we've put in the way, if you're listening, <laughs> pleasure here. I would say this, try journaling for a day. You don't have to go buy a fancy notebook from Barnes and Noble and carry it with you. Pick up a scrap of paper and start writing when someone pisses you off. And you can write very angry things on a piece of paper that you might not even want to say. A trigger from a partner, a trigger from a family member, a trigger from someone you work with, and you feel like you're being treated unfairly. Write it out. Like you said, Lisa, crumple it up, throw that thing away, and then say, I'm letting it go. How you start and end the day is wonderfully impactful for the stress you feel through the middle of the day. Let me start with the end of the day. For me, I'm tough on myself. One of the ways that I found to give myself a bit of the break is by actively practicing forgiveness. We often talk about gratitude. Gratitude, I'm grateful. Three things we're grateful for, write them down. What about practicing forgiveness? And what about starting with yourself? And just starting with, instead of all the list of things that you did wrong in a day, Add that up, think about it for a couple seconds, and then just say to yourself, I forgive you. How about the people throughout the day that did you wrong in some way, either real or just imagined? Saying, listing them by name, I forgive you for this. That was uncalled for, I forgive you. And naming those people and, and then letting it go, and then accepting for yourself forgiveness. Forgiveness for being imperfect sometimes, saying words you didn't mean, you know, having reactions that were probably the wrong reaction, all the things that happen, just taking a second and saying, forgiving yourself. Then you can go to sleep. And by the way, that whole process might take 45 seconds. So it's not like this is some five-hour journey to self-exploration. It's a quick exercise just to say, like, I forgive you. I forgive you today. Tomorrow you're going to do better, right? Then think about the morning. The morning is unique. You start up, you might meditate. When people think about meditation, they think about these long, you know, 45-minute, hour-long meditations. What I do every morning is three minutes. That's it, three. I have a Spotify, a Spotify channel I like to go to. I won't name it here, but it's pretty clever. You can just go Google anything on Spotify, three minute, five minute morning meditation, setting your intentions. What do you want to be today? I want to be courageous. I want to be, I want to be thoughtful today. What's the, what's the feeling you want to have? Today's a day of thinking. Today's a day of planning. Today's a day of doing. Today's a day of productivity, right? What are we thinking about that and leading into the day? I do simple things. I'll do like 25 push-ups. I'll do 25 sit-ups, get my blood flowing. By the way, that takes two minutes, right? Even if you're horribly out of shape, any one of us can do 10 push-ups. Start with five, build to 10, do 30, do 50, whatever your number is, it doesn't take a lot to now feel good about yourself. Now you're confident because you're working on your body, you're working on your mind. I do take the time to journal. I do take the time to send one note 
to somebody that I love in my life, just saying, hey, I love you. I'm thinking about you. I hope you're doing well. Things like that. One person, it makes me think about the connection. So now I've practiced you know, heart. I've practiced head. I've practiced connection. I've practiced health with my body. And, and then I repeat to myself a few mantras. One of them is tattooed on my, uh, on my chest. It's a poem by Robert Frost. But I want to reinstill inside my mind and my body, repeating it over and over and over and over, that you have a purpose. You are not ordinary. You are extraordinary. You will feel stress that other people won't feel. You will feel passion that other people feel. There is more on your plate, more on your head, more on your body than what other people might experience. It's on you to be ready for all of it. And it's starting by how we're doing this whole morning routine. I do morning routine, evening routine. And then guess what? How I eat? Sure, sometimes I screw that up because I like, a sh- I like sugar. I stuff sugar in my face. That's okay. I can forgive myself at the end of the day and build on. With a couple of these practices, you're right, I've heard. People say sometimes, change your mind, you'll change your actions. Now, that's not what I've experienced. That's not what I've experienced. You don't change your mind and then change your actions. How do you change your mind? It's willpower. The willpower is dependent on how much sleep you get, how you're healthy you are, what you're feeling, what mood you're in. Willpower is, is a very small quantity. So what I like to do is habits, create habits. So instead of applying willpower, I'm going to have certain habits. And like you, Lisa, I write it, I have morning routine. When I'm done, I actually have an accountability partner. I'll text, done, every morning. If by noon I haven't texted done, this person texted me back going, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, where are you? And I, then I can jump back into that routine. Here's what I found. If you're looking to master stress, because again, B2B sales, most neurotic sport in the world, only time in the world you bring in a world-class person, say, I'm going to pay you half of your salary up front, and the rest you may get later if you go do something that you're supposed to do by selling something, and we collect the money, and, 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 then we'll pay you. Crazy, right? No other person in the world gets paid like this. You have to be vigilant about this, because if you're not, here's the mistakes you're going to make. All the other amazing people you've had on your podcast talk about optimizing price points and how to be productive with revenue, lead generation, things like that. All of that falls apart. You know why it falls apart? Because you're not thinking clearly. You're wound up. You're stressed out. You're taking shortcuts. You're driving too hard for a sale when you should sit back and let it come to you. You're making mistakes because of the stress you're feeling in your life. I've seen more world-class people in sales fall apart because of what they do out of a moment of stress. And some of this you can't undo. You can't go back. You can't undo it once you've done it. Because the people's, oh, I was a day late in responding. Sure, if you're in junior level sales and you can't be responsive, sure, sure, sure. That's just, that's like lousy behavior you should fix. But you're talking to elite salespeople, elite revenue executives. They're in how to follow up. They're in how to respond. They're in how to be world-class in that. Often where we trip up is we let stress blow up months or years worth of work because we haven't figured out how to just take a moment to think, take a moment to pause and wonder, okay, I'm stressed out. How will I feel about this in the morning? How will I feel about this next week? How would I feel if I were on the other side of this and someone were to message me? Um, I don't know if you have time for a short story, Lisa, but here's something I found. I was working with a company, education company in the United States. We were working on a very large deal, very, very large deal, one of the largest deals in the history of their company. We was with a state government and we went to actually meet them. It was a final protocol where you're shaking hands and the gentleman, it was the deputy minister of education, shook her hand and he said, I'm looking forward to doing business with you. This is going to be exciting. We left. He said, he told his people in the room, let's get all the paperwork done. Let's move this forward, right? We left. Probably two and a half weeks later, my phone's blowing up for some reason. I'm on to something else. It's blowing up. And I get a call. 
and it's the senior sales executive, it's the CEO, and it's their lead attorney. And they are angry. I mean, angry. Steam is coming to the phone. I'm wondering what's going on. It got my full attention. I stopped what I was doing on focus. What's happening? And they said, they're screwing us. Who's they? And I realized it was this customer that had just shaken her hand two and a half weeks earlier. What happened? No one's gotten back to us. They told us they were going to do this. They're price shopping us. We're going to go right for their jungler because they took all of our inside information and they're now turning it into you know a bidding war and all this stuff. Steam began to rise. People began to be upset. It was angry. And I was thinking, when you're in these meetings, you can sort of see eyeball to eyeball when someone's real or when they're just sort of giving you the blush on. You can you have a gut instinct if you're in, in business for a while. I thought, no, that can't be it. I was there. I was in the room. This was real. I said, what if we didn't send a lawsuit? What if we penned a short email from the CEO of our company to the office of their office of the deputy director of education? And we just asked them a simple question of where things are. And I said, Let, give me a minute. I'll think about what that email is. I think it was ultimately two sentences. And it said, in our last meeting, you wanted this project to move forward by this date. Has your timeline changed? That was the email. Sort simple. Send it off. I went on back to business. I was like, good. Please no lawsuits. Call me if you get stressed out again. You're one of my valuable clients. I don't want anything to go crazy. Three days later, I get a phone call from the CEO. I could tell this, now the mood on the call was the exact opposite. It was not frustration. There was like, like a sense of like, oh no. And I thought, oh gosh, we totally lost this deal. He said, he said, where we feel horrible. So what happened? He said, we got back a response from the office and the email said something like this. So, so sorry for getting back to you. My wife and my son were in a horrible car accident. He didn't make it. And what had happened was we were feeling this stress. We were imagining all of the worst of what could happen from this individual who is very powerful. What had happened in his life? was so transformational and so unbelievable in all of the worst ways. He's not thinking about us. He's thinking about how he makes it to the next day and how he puts the pieces of his family that's remaining together. That story has always stuck with me. That's an old, that's 15 years old probably. That's stuck with me to this day because it highlights for me that the things that I'm stressed, the fantasies I imagine to be possible of, of all the bad things that are happening might only be in my head when in reality, it's likely the person on the other end of the transaction is just experiencing life, not the horrible things that I think are out there. And so what if you could pause? What if for a second, it wasn't all horrible, but you could just think about, okay, I'm going to journal this. I'm feeling frustrated. I'm feeling uncertain. I feel like something's off, but I don't know what it is. And then you could pause and reflect ask for help like I did. What, sh what should I do? We send a simple response. We get a, a clear answer. Of course, they signed the deal weeks later and everything was now fine and they're doing exemplary work for, the, for that Ministry of Education. But it could have all blown up because of a moment of stress that could have turned into a mistake that they could have never come back from. Never. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that is a powerful story. And, and I think that's a really good reminder uh, for all of us to know that we don't know. We're making assumptions based on how we're feeling and you need to confirm those assumptions. You can't just act. 
So I think that's a great reminder, Dan. And I wish we could go on all day long because I have a million other questions for you. I think I will take you up on your suggestion that we have you back later in 2024 because it's a fascinating topic and you've dropped so many great tips for our listeners on this call. Dan, thank you so much for being here. We do ask one question and I, I feel like you've given us so many, but if you had to narrow it down to one piece of advice that you could give our listeners to help them to achieve their goals, what would that one piece of advice be? I would, I would say the most transformational thing for me has been journaling. Physical pen, physical paper, write how you feel. The stuff that you want to say that you can't say to anyone. Put it down there, rip it up, tear it away. Day one, it won't matter. Day two, it won't matter. Day three, it won't matter. But I'll tell you, a weekend, a month in, you will find yourself calmer. You will find yourself a more confident executive because you have an outlet for all this uncertainty and fear that's been rattling around in your head, causing you stress. Love it. I love it. And I'm going to take that advice myself because I have my list taking, but it's not quite the same. So I, I definitely want to try it. And Dan, so if any of our listeners were interested in getting in touch with you to continue a conversation like this or to work with you, is there a preferred method of communication you have? Yeah, sure. Go look me up on LinkedIn. I'm there. I, I sort of respond to all my messages. It might take me a day or two, but go look at me. I'll, I'll connect with you. We'll, we'll share. We'll talk about what your situation is. If I can help you at all. Look, uh, yeah, the impact on the world together, that's, that's what we're all about. Amazing. Well, cannot thank you enough for your time today. It's been great having you on the show. Thank you so much. All right, everyone, that does it for this episode. Please check us out at www.b2brevexec.com. Share this episode with your family, your friends, your coworkers, and you can subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. And if you like what you hear, you can do us a great favor and throw us a five-star review on iTunes. I am Lisa Schneer. I am joined by my charming podcast partner, Carlos Noche. And until next time, we wish you nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.